Welcome to EMG Transformations with Dan Stoll. Each episode will empower you to ignite your inner fire and provide methods to maximize your mental and physical performance. Buckle up and get ready to spark your transformation with Nova Fusion. Welcome to today's episode of EMG Transformations. I have the honor to talk with Sarah Larson, host of The Hook Podcast, which is about navigating the twists and turns of entrepreneurship. I had the privilege of sharing my story on her show, so go check out that episode after this one for one of my favorite deep dive conversations. Sarah is a seasoned serial entrepreneur with a deep curiosity for overcoming life's disruptions and the resilient mindset that gets you to the other side of adversity. I met Sarah in an online group and learned that she's from Michigan too. We quickly formed a relationship and her kindness and professionalism are two traits that I try to model. She also has a contagious smile and energy and I'm really looking forward to this juicy conversation. Thank you for taking time to be on the show today. Oh my gosh, Dan, thanks so much. It's an honor to be here. And yeah, I really, connected on that Michigan level for sure you know it's always good to to meet somebody from my home state and uh, I look forward to our chat it is gonna be juicy (laughs) yeah fellow Michiganders going at it so it's gonna be great right (laughs) yeah so to spark things off can you share some of your personal and professional background just so the audience gets to know you a little bit more sure um personally I grew up as I said in southeast Michigan And I have four siblings. I'm the youngest by 10 years. And so I'm the baby kind of, you know, was on my own growing up. And then I did not do the traditional college route after high school. I went, I started working full time in the mortgage industry and I was doing part-time school just at a local community college for a few years while I was working and the mortgage industry became my home. I was there. I did that for 20 years. And so I grew so quickly and really didn't need a degree to be doing what I was doing. So I never did finish. I dabbled for another, you know, over the course of about 10 years and never really finished my degree. I got, I got to like junior status, I think. And then, um, when I was, let's see, 32. (laughs) I moved to Virginia. So it's 20 years ago. I moved to Virginia with um, my second husband. So I was married once in my twenties. I call that one my starter marriage. And then I uh, moved here with, we we had been dating for six years, that husband. Um, We got married a couple of years after we moved here to Virginia. And then, um, you know, in 2008, the mortgage industry kind of had a little hiccup. You might recall the housing industry challenges and, that started me down a path of um, real self-confidence crash <laughs> mm-hmm. because when that happened, I had been working for a company I really loved, kind of took a the next five years pretty much. It was just one after another, job after job, trying to recapture that excitement, that energy, that and that love that I, for the company that I worked for and didn't happen. So 
that also led to a divorce and some other things. And we can get into all of that, but I am now, um, have had a few, few businesses over the years and few, um, new, new husband. <laughs> so right. I'm on number three, but this one is the one that's going to stick. This is guy is absolutely my soulmate. And I'll, I can tell you more about that as well. So that's, you know, kind of a, a little snapshot of yeah. the whole history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, shoot, 2008 was probably a tough time for a lot of people and especially the industry that you were in, like, it's like, you almost have to do a restart. So like, mm-hmm. where did you kind of go from there? Like, did you still stay in the mortgage industry or did you make like an entire leap? So I had been, it was the only thing I knew I'd been in the industry for yeah. 15 years at that point, longer, gosh, longer, almost yeah. 20 years, almost 20 years by that time. And I just went on, I had been, so before I moved to Virginia, I had actually you know, I'd worked for a company for a long time and then I opened my own. I became a mortgage broker. And when I moved to Virginia, I had just really gotten settled at in that business. But my thought was I was going to start, you know, just get licensed in Virginia and continue on. But it really meant starting over completely. So what I did is I um, found a company that um, I had always worked prior to opening my own business, I had always worked for a wholesale mortgage company. And if anybody doesn't know what that means, that's the company that provides the funding when you get a mortgage. (laughs) So my, uh, I was a sales rep and my job was to go call on mortgage brokers who you go to apply to for a mortgage. And then they would send the files to us for underwriting where we determine if we were going to fund it. And so I went back into that side of the business when I moved to Virginia And that was when I was working for that really awesome company, really growing, you know, my, I was on commission, which I had been for many years and it was really good. But what happens is when the industry imploded, that company went bankrupt. I moved on to, I worked for Chase Bank actually in their mortgage division for a few, for almost a year. And I thought, okay, this is going to be stable. It's a, it's a big corporate company. It'll be, it'll be good. No, they laid off you know, almost immediately they laid off half of, um, you know, the staff. And then again, because the business had slowed so much, they just didn't need as many sales reps as they had. And so a year later I got laid off from there and I transferred, I did this transition for several years. I would go out then and look for another company. Okay, well, let me try this one. And then that would, you know, then I would get laid off from there. And in the meantime, you're just, you know, don't have time to build your commission back up and nothing was getting approved. No, no mortgages were getting approved (laughs) at that time because all of the big fancy programs that had been there before went away. So it was five years of just bouncing from company to company. And every time I got let go, it was starting over and just debilitating in in a lot of ways. I started drinking pretty heavily, um, not, I wasn't ever a hardcore, you know, alcoholic drinker, but wine was my go-to and I could plow through a bottle a night easily. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like something I was wondering is how did you manage just that uncertainty all the time and the ups and downs of one job to another? Like, did you have ways to cope or like some go-to things or was it just, you were stuck in that at the time and it was just that like constant snowball effect almost. It was a snowball effect for sure. I, 
my husband, that husband and I had a pretty big party uh, lifestyle, let's say. (laughs) We had friends that were big drinkers. We drank a fair amount. And I would not have considered myself an alcoholic. I still look back and I wouldn't have considered myself an alcoholic, but I definitely was drinking a lot. And it was, I was using alcohol to numb the pain. Um, You know, my income was dropping. I had, I did try to actually start a business with that husband and I was going to be a wine distributor. Go figure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but he realized that it was going to take some investment and I didn't have anything to invest. So he would have had to put money into it. And man, as, as the biggest blow of all, he was, we had been working on that. He really did not trust any of the research that I had done because we knew somebody from Michigan who had done this and we were going to follow this model. And he really did not trust that I knew what I was talking about. So he finally said, you know what, this is not, uh, no, we're not, I mean, basically we're not doing it because I'm not going to invest the money in that. And so I was still, uh, you know, at that time I was unemployed and that was sort of my next plan to move forward and it died. And so our marriage, you know, over that five-year period just took such a dive Mm -hmm. and so I wouldn't say that I really uh, managed that very well. Yeah. We eventually um, decided to divorce. And a couple of months after we separated, but we were still living together because I couldn't afford to live anywhere else. And he didn't really want to or have the funds to pay for me to live somewhere separately. So, you know, we had a big house. I just stayed there in a separate room and, you know, in some ways it was probably good. It probably could have been a much more antagonistic divorce had I stayed there or had I not stayed there, had I been living elsewhere. Because a couple months after we separated, I found out that he had been dating someone going back six months prior to our separation. And it was absolutely devastating. Yeah. Not because that, because that wasn't the reason for a divorce or divorce it was <laughs> that marriage was a shit show before, <laughs> before we just, you know, before I found that out, but it really hit me because I was already, my self-confidence was already so low. And that was just one more blow of like, oh, well, you're not good enough. And so that's why he didn't want to stay. And I went on a pretty big bender after I found like that weekend after I found out and I ended up getting a DUI. Mm. And then I ended up going to jail. <laughs> I, I got jail time for that. I mean, I got spent the night in jail the night that I got arrested for the DUI, but I spent five days in jail a few months later. And, you know, there's just, it's, a, it's, it's definitely a low point right. in the story. Yeah. And, you know, I actually have a similar low point that we talked about on your podcast. Yeah. When I got diagnosed, um, that was back in like August, July. And then November-ish, I actually got cheated on with my girlfriend who we were together for around like two years. So again, I had that self-confidence issue of me getting diagnosed, just my body. And I just felt worthless at that time. And then it's like another blow. It just adds on top of it. It's like, oh, well, I'm worthless again because of how she treated me in that aspect. So just it's tough. It really is. And it really 
it messes up your mind a little bit and plays yeah. these games on you. And so, yeah, I'm sorry you had to go through that, but those low points, at least from what I've noticed, those are, it's like, you can only be so low for so long and right. you have to bounce back up at some point. So yeah. I eventually had a catalyst and we're going to talk about how you were able to turn things around too. Yeah. But, um, you know, you've been through two divorces, which mm-hmm. I can only imagine because I've only had that one girlfriend in my life and we were together for like three years and that really sucked when things ended. So, but it, it did turn out to be the best thing for me. So I'm curious, like, yeah. How did you navigate through those tough times? And do you have any tips for anyone in a similar situation? Mm. Well, I definitely believe that who we surround ourselves with really makes all the difference. I mean, you know, we had this similar conversation on my podcast when you were my guest and just one of the things that I've learned from all of the interviews that I've done is really that human connection is so important to surviving and being resilient. Because when you feel alone, that's when (laughs) all hell breaks loose. Um, I'm sure that you can agree with that sentiment. Um, So I think that Unfortunately, at the time of my second divorce, now my first divorce, we were only married for a couple of years and I was still in my twenties and still felt like a rock star. And I had just changed jobs and felt pretty, you know, like a winner. So the self-confidence thing wasn't so much a hit. And also I will just admit, (laughs) I, I got a boob job at the time too. So just just a little confidence booster there. But the second time around was really, really tough. I'd been with that husband. We had been together for 12 years when we decided to divorce and it was a lot harder. Um, And by the time we got to that point, I mean, it was just, I look back now and I know I can tell that when I lost my job, he was unsupportive. Like I just didn't have the support that I needed. Well, then a few years, like, um, he lost his job in there too. I'm trying to think of how that worked out. But anyway, he had taken a new job and some, I think it fell apart. You know, it's been a while. So yeah, <laughs> the details are fuzzy. But then I was not able to support him when he was going through a similar situation. And I think it just really spiraled us. And the friends that we had, like I said, we were kind of a party couple. And it was surprising because our friends were absolutely shocked when they found out that we were getting divorced because we were very good at hiding it and just being the partiers. And that's all people knew is that we were fun. We were a fun couple. Yeah. So I wish that I'd had friends at that time. Not that my friends are bad people, but we all were um, damaged, let's say. And we were all using alcohol as the numbing tool. Yeah. Um, So after that divorce, you know, what's really interesting is when I had my DUI, I had a friend at the time, also party girl, but she was dating somebody that we, you know, had known that I hung out with. And she kept asking him because he was a friend. We had hung out, all of us. 
um, she kept asking him to drive me places. I'd lost my driver's license for a little while. And then I also was not allowed to drive at, after dark. So he would come pick me up, take me you know, like, because she couldn't be bothered <laughs> to be that friend. He was doing it. And that man is now my husband. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. What, so what a story. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's crazy. But we, he knew this is the thing. He found out, at, he knew all of my baggage, right? Because we knew each other when I was going through that. I knew him before my divorce. And as I was managing the divorce and the DUI, he was still dating my friend, but he was being, he was an ear to, to, you know, listen to. And so, um, but he also really, I, I don't know. I don't, I really don't get this to this day, <laughs> what he saw, but he absolutely believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. So there's, there's more to that, but um, we can get to that later, but I, it's really who you surround yourself with. And I managed to find somebody who believed in me yeah. and ended up getting me out of that mortgage hellhole <laughs> that I was in. And he had just started a business with a friend of his. And I ended up joining that business because he, he believed that I knew what I told him I could do and, and gave me a job essentially. So that really helped. And that set me on a path to come make a comeback. Yeah, I love that. And it sounds like that trust and connection that you guys had was just like right off the bat, just there comparing yeah. to the other relationships where it might have been a little hesitant or something like that. And, yeah. you know, that goes with any relationship, whether it's like a personal relationship or a business relationship where you want to invest with someone like you have to have that trust and connection and just being able to have each other's back, because if you don't have each other's back, then where are you going to yeah. go from there? So what do you have? Exactly. And, and the other thing with, with divorce and just marriage in general, I know looking back, I, you know, my, even though I say, you know, in my twenties, I was, had lots of self-confidence and I, and I was, I was, you know, felt like I had pretty good confidence in those years, but I still got sucked into these marriages where I thought I was very clear about who I was when I met these guys. And yet both of them tried to change me once we got married. And if there's anything I can just say is be careful of who you marry, you know, when you get into a relationship, because if they don't, you know, if somebody doesn't love you for who you are, then how are they going to love you as you grow? Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, because we all grow and you want to grow in the same direction. If you're growing right. in different directions, then eventually that's just not going to be sustainable over the long term. So make sure you have like those values. I think that's one of the biggest thing, having the yeah. same values and even like the same goals. Right. I think values, though, is like the biggest thing because you can have different ways of getting there. But if your values are the same, you're still going to have that like core of who you are and you're still going to like just connect on that deeper level. So I yeah. think that's something to watch out for. It's like red and green flags. Right. Yes. And I would say, yeah, looking back at the red flags <laughs> over there, yeah. uh, having those values is really, it, it's important. And this is so crazy 
the thing with my second husband, I thought I had found the guy that wasn't going to try to say to change me. Right. Like we, but even, even before we got married, I, I saw that he was, this was the crazy thing. And I have a lot of, because of my upbringing, one thing I didn't mention, I was raised in the Mormon church and I have nothing against the Mormons, but it's a very strict religion. And there are, some, I have some hangups from it. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I left that at 16 and I've, so I've always had a, um, a relationship with religion that was not, it basically I wanted nothing to do with religion. And so my second husband he was raised Lutheran. I considered that to be a pretty lukewarm religion. Like I could, I could tolerate that. I could manage that, but it wasn't like we were going to church every Sunday. And like I said, we were the party couple. So I never saw that side of him until suddenly, you know, we're talking about divorce and he's saying, well, I want a spiritual active family and, you know, you won't go to church with me. And now that's not to say, I mean, throughout the years, I did try to do that. And I am, I have, let me just say, I've come a long way from when I was in my twenties and you could barely get me to step into a church <laughs> for anything. And I've come a long way since then. So I am not anti, I'm not necessarily anti-religion. I think that there are some red flags that you can look for there too, but I, it, that's what blew my mind is like, here's this guy. He's not showing me any indication that that spirituality or religion is important to him in the early days of our relationship. When I have said, I'm not religious and I'm not, you know, converting to anything that you do. And then suddenly that's super uber important. So yeah. yeah you just, don't expect to change anyone. No, don't expect to change anyone. You better be ready to put up with to love who they are and we're all going to grow. We should, we should all grow. And yeah. so making sure that you're with somebody who has that same desire to grow is mm -hmm. also a value that you could look for. Yeah, that's great. So another thing I want to say is the lifestyle too, because him wanting to go to church, that's a value and a lifestyle. So I think Right. Catching both of those are just essential for any relationship. But yeah. now talking like on the road to building back your confidence yeah. and all of that. So you got in the right relationship with your husband. Now that was yeah. probably one of the biggest starts of that. What else yeah. helped you carry through and just create the confidence that you have now? Um, so he brought me into his business and that really started to take off big time. And like I said, he brought me, well, so maybe I didn't ex explain this necessarily what he brought me in for, but you know, I had owned a business before I knew what I was doing. He had gone into business with a partner who he had known since childhood. That partner had a wife that was kind of doing their admin stuff because the guys, it was a manufacturing company. They made the gear. They, so they were selling it, making it, they were very busy and it was starting to take off. They had gotten their first government contract that they needed to fill. And then she was pregnant and getting, and having this baby. So Adam and I had been dating for about six months at that point. And 
I said, well, you got, and he was, they were talking about hiring somebody else to kind of do the books or do some minor customer service stuff. And I said, you guys can't afford that. You can't afford to pay somebody. I had a job, even though I hated it. And I said, I know how to do those things. I'll just do it for you for free because I want to support you. And so that was initially it. And then um, we realized one day we were just talking about they had these belts that were made of webbing that were a big part of what the product was. And they were outsourcing that. And he said, you know, I'm trying to figure out what it really costs for this company to make them because I feel like they're overcharging us for them. And so we went through and I was looking at the belt and I mean, it's straight line stitches. I'm like I could do this. I grew up sewing and I swear he had never seen a thing I'd sewn. He'd never seen, you know, any of that. Went out and bought an industrial sewing machine for the business, bought the materials to make the, the belts. And they hired me to do that as a way to pay me for doing the other stuff of customer service and bookkeeping and all of that. So it really, that was starting. It was doing something different, getting out of that suck whole of the mortgage industry at that time for me and giving me a way to earn money again and also support him. It was really fun. We worked well together and really, I think that was, it gave me a purpose again. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And especially for any younger audience, cause I'm 24 out here, but yeah. just like getting your foot in the door, like do something for free at a company that you like, that you yeah. want to be a part of. And then that'll open doors for new opportunities. Like you said, with the sewing and how you got in with that. And then it just kind of like continued to grow from there. So just get your foot in the door and just start trying yourself and earn it. Like you said, I love that because when you yeah do things on a daily basis, you're building your skills, those skills, and that's going to build your confidence. So it's just like this ripple yeah. effect. And I, I love the way that all of that just kind of like manifested together. And it's such a great message for anyone out there looking to start a new chapter in their life, or maybe they want to switch positions or something like whatever the case is business wise, like that's such a great first step and way to get started. And anywhere you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. So going through like all of that, what was the biggest lesson you kind of learned from your experiences? Mm. Oh, wow. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one thing I would say is just being open, not letting your ego dictate what you're willing to try um, it's really hard when you've, you know, I had been in the mortgage industry for 20 years and, and I was, had never done anything different and didn't know whether I could do anything different and just being open to, you know, we were broke at that time. I had, I actually, what I didn't mention is that I also filed for bankruptcy after that second divorce. So I had no money. Um, he was, had sunk all of his money into the new business. So he didn't really have anything and they weren't making money at that time. That's why he couldn't afford to pay me to do the books. Um, but just being willing to, Hey, let's, you know, let's scrabble together. Let's 
do what we can. And, you know, we just love each other and support each other and believe in each other. And um, I believe in him just as much as intellect. Uh, he is just one of the smartest people I know. And I've always admired his memory and his creativity when it comes to so many things, so many things. Uh, it just is really great. So that's a, that's the biggest thing is ego will kill you if you are, <laughs> if, if you, and, and that's, it's one of those identity shift things that we have talked about before where I saw myself as this fantastic, you know, I was picturing myself five years previous and the level at which I was earning and that was the ego that I still had is I'm this, you know, killer sales rep making big bucks. And I fell a long way <laughs> and my ego still was struggling with where I was, but I was finally to that point where I saw that little spark of doing something that I knew I, I okay, I know how to do this. I would never have gone to apply to a, a sewing company or something, but it was something I'd grown up doing and knew how to do. I'd never done it on an industrial sewing machine. So I have to tell you that his business partner maybe didn't believe quite as avidly as Adam did. But when I showed the, when I brought the first completed belt to show him, he was like, Oh, thank God. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's, that's awesome. And like talking about the identity shift there, but yeah. I think it just adds another layer of resilience. The fact that you went into bankruptcy, you're still struggling to figure out and like just make a paycheck, but then you yeah. offer to work for free despite all of that. Like right. that is just, it's crazy in the best way possible. Like right. this, it's so inspiring, honestly, to like carve out your own path. And it's no secret that entrepreneur is something, entrepreneurship is something you love and you're passionate about. So yeah. Do you have any advice out there for anyone getting started on that path? Oh, gosh. I just <laughs> want you to know that it is not an easy path. And don't expect it to be. <laughs> you know, even as an experienced entrepreneur, you really just bump into challenges on a daily basis. And you're just learning and you're growing with that. But it's like everything in life. Some, you know, you see other entrepreneurs and think, oh, they're doing so great. They're self-employed. So they must be rich and, you know, have all this at least abundant with freedom. But I'll tell you what, we worked some pretty crazy hours. The other thing that I would say is surround yourself with other entrepreneurs, because when you don't have relatives and friends who've ever owned a business, they don't understand your struggle. They don't understand the challenges you're facing. And so you don't have anybody to tell like, oh, the, today was so freaking hard. How do I decide, you know, to how to do X, Y, or Z? You know, we went through um, times where we had 20 employees at one point and we were trying to figure out how do we, how do we keep them employed? So, because we know that we we're supporting their families. And so you really need other people with experience that you can talk to. And we didn't do that enough at the time. I yeah. definitely know better now and highly recommend 
either getting a business coach or joining any kind of community of entrepreneurs that you can get into, whether it's free or paid, it is worth the money to have other people that you can share your experiences with that can advise you from their own experience and who understand what you're going through. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. And you can ask advice from your family and stuff, and they'll give you advice to protect you. And and that's going to be denial and saying you shouldn't do this and take the safe route instead. And if you have big dreams, you have big aspirations, taking the safe route is just shutting down your goals and your dreams. And that is demoralizing in itself when you're asking for feedback about something you're excited about and you just keep getting shut down every single time. Mm -hmm. That'll eventually crush your dreams. So definitely get behind the right people. And to your point, people that have done it, don't just get people that you think are doing it, have the evidence and you can ask them specific questions. How did you do this? How How do you think I should navigate this? And they can give you such a better answer and direction forward. And that's something that I'm learning at 24, just to surround myself with amazing people like yourself that have the experience that have been in those situations and it helps me grow so much faster. And I'm I'm so appreciative to have all these amazing people. And it's just such a great thing to have in your life. Yeah, it, it really is. You know, I remember when we had that business, we were, uh, my, my parents are gone. Um, my husband's mother had passed before we started dating and his father and stepmother just really, you know, wanted to support us in the business, but they also did not understand why we had to put in so many hours and why when we did hit challenges, like, well, why don't you just X, Y, Z as if it's just that simple. And really there are all these other components of the story that affect that decision. And that decision is going to affect all of these other things. If you know, so like to your point, they're, they're, you know, your friends and family who've not been through it, they're looking at it from a perspective of fear in a, in a, in a lot of ways, because they, they wouldn't do what you're doing. Right. And so they're trying to offer you advice that's to protect you. And it's never good advice. <laughs> Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. It's never good advice. Yeah. One <laughs> of the sayings that I really like is if you wouldn't want to trade positions with them or trade lives with that person, yes. then don't even ask for advice. Like it sounds, harsh, but it'll save you so much time and energy just by thinking about that before you answer or ask a question. So um, I just think that's a valuable tip for anyone out there. Absolutely. And- podcasting, that's also something that you're very passionate about. So I'm curious, how did you get into that? Mm. It was something that I got into for the wrong reason, but turned out to be the right reason. Okay. So this is advice that I would give to potential podcasters is, you know, I started out with the idea. I had started some magazines that I published locally and I Somebody had suggested to me, hey, here's an idea. Use a podcast as a way to interview entrepreneurs, business owners that you're trying to get into, talk to about advertising. And then 
they'll then at least you've met them and you can have another conversation with them about advertising. It's a great idea. And, yeah, great. And I went, oh, that's so smart. Yeah. Well, I sat on it for a year and then finally decided I was going to do it. I paid somebody to show me the basics of podcasting and did my first interview with him on the spot. And I was absolutely high as a kite afterward. Like, oh my God, this was so amazing. I can't wait to do this. And I was ready to roll. But then I decided, oh, I need video and I need multiple cameras because this and that. And and just the whole thing, I got too complex, tried to make it too big. Like I was going to pull off this highly professional thing to start with and make it this fantastic whatever. I ended up doing a second interview with this multi-camera setup and I just didn't feel the same excitement afterward. But what happened on the first time is that I was kind of doing it on the fly and I just came up with questions like kind of on the spot and it was marketing themed was the podcast was going to be marketing themed. So I was very, I asked some very specific questions to do with marketing, but we didn't really, we delved a little bit into his story, but then the second interview, I really just didn't get into the story that I wanted to get into in that conversation because I asked the same questions and then stopped. Okay, we're done. And what I realized over the course of the next couple of months, as I was then trying to, uh, then discovering the learning curve of editing video Mm-mm, don't do I'm that right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know, and and this video on Zoom is far simpler than three separate videos from different cameras, and then trying to match up your audio and all that stuff. That was just insane. Why I thought that's what I should start with, I have no idea. But I learned from that, and then I took another course on podcasting. This one was a much more in depth, but really it was less about learning how to do the podcast than it was about why to do the podcast. And that changed my life. So I looked back, the advice that I got was, it doesn't matter what the name is, because I'd already named it The Hook based on it sort of being a marketing podcast. But I was told, doesn't matter what the name is, doesn't matter how basic it is. You don't have to have the top end equipment. Um, Just don't worry about it. Just do it. Just do it and put it out there. And so as I started going through that process and thinking, I realized I just really wanted a deeper conversation with people. Point, you know, point blank. That's what I wanted is to have a deep, meaningful conversation. I, I am not a small talk person. (laughs) I don't don't do that well. I really want to know people. So that, that, yeah, yeah. And and that's why I enjoy the conversations that I have. And now they light me up. I love it. I love every single one. I'm enjoying the hell out of this. That's what I would say to anybody who wants to start a podcast is you need it to be authentic and you need it to be something that really fires you up because otherwise you're going to fall into that. Um, the numbers show that 90% of podcasts don't make it to the second year, that 80% of podcasts don't make it past episode seven or eight. Um, the boneyard, the, the, the podcast graveyard is pretty deep. 
Yeah. And the reason is because people get into it for the wrong reason and they don't have the passion for the topic. And that's going to just like a business, mm-hmm. you can't be uber concerned about the analytics. As soon as you put it out there, you're new. Same thing with a business. You're new and it's going to take, take a little time to build up your client base and build up your business. And same thing goes for a podcast. So just have the patience, but make sure it's something you are passionate about so that you can be patient with it. Because if it's something you don't really care that much about, you're going to give up too quickly when it's not taking off after the first seven or eight episodes. Yeah. And just hearing you talk about it, like we can hear and feel the passion that you have behind it. And like, honestly, that conversation that we had was one of the deepest that I've had. I've shared some things that I've never shared before and credit to you and your navigating through that conversation like it was just spot on and I think it was just great honestly like it was an amazing conversation so I highly recommend anyone listening to go check out Sarah's podcast The Hook and something that you said to me like a couple weeks ago was just create something that you can edit and Mm -hmm. that really stuck with me because it goes back to trying to have everything perfect and that will stop us from taking any action because we're just back and forth, back and forth and tweaking things. And you're just not making forward progress at that point. So something that I like to say is done is better than perfect. Just get it out there. You can edit it, like you said, and you can redo things if you really want to. But people like that authenticity. We can't relate with Superman, someone that's just perfect. And it's just not relatable. So when we see someone going through the same struggles that we're going through, it's like, wow, maybe I can overcome this too. And I don't have to be stuck here. So that's something that really helped me just make forward progress on my podcast and just get things out there and just get the needle moving. So I really appreciate you for sharing that with me. Absolutely. And I can't take credit for that advice that actually came from another podcaster to me. We we took the same course together and she always tells me, um, yeah, just create something to edit. That, that's the movement. Create something to edit. Don't create it thinking it's going to be perfect to begin with. Create something that you know you're going to edit because that's going to allow you to be imperfect. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great tip there. Yeah. So I'm curious, what are a few of your non-negotiable daily habits and routines that keep you going? Ooh, good one. So um, one of my non-negotiables to give yourself grace. So uh, you don't have to be perfect, but every day I make a list of my wins from the day before. You could call them gratitude. You can call it success, signs of success, um, daily wins, being in the gain. If you've um, heard of the book, The Gap in the Gain, it's, I haven't even finished reading it. I'm in love with it. And I love the whole concept of it. It's just looking at your wins, looking at where you are now from where you were, instead of looking ahead to this potentially unattainable, impossible goal of where you think you should be or where somebody else is. So doing those little wins that just having that gratitude every day is my non-negotiable. Yeah, I love that. And it's something that I personally don't do as much as I should have. Like I'm always just focusing on the next thing and not really reflecting all that I've overcome. But I actually listened to our podcast that we did and I'm just like, 
dang, like, cause I really laid out like everything that I went through on your podcast. And I'm just like, I just felt so good about myself. Like I really overcame all of that. And now I'm going to the places where I want to be and I'm not held back like I used to be. And it's just such a great feeling to look at that progress and know that where you were in the past, it's not like a life sentence. You don't have to be stuck there. You can continue to grow and move in a new direction like you have done. And it's just, it's so inspiring to see other stories like that too. And that's why I'm so passionate about this podcast to bring on stories and share that it's possible to overcome a career situation, a relationship, a health situation. Like there's so much adversity and life disruptions, as you like to say, um, and it's just, it's, it's inspiring. And another question I have is like, what are some of the tools that you use to overcome those life disruptions? I'm a big one for talking through things. I know a lot of people are big journalers. I, I love to write, but don't love to journal. Yeah. Or, or, you know, it's something that I'm trying to do a little more because I find that when I do, I see the um, patterns in my life that I can say, Oh, now I see I did that. Um, a lot. I did that over and over. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Seeing that. So um, I think it can be helpful, but I'm also, as I love conversations, I love talking through challenges and I love talking about challenging times. And a lot of times I can gain clarity just from having a conversation as opposed to journaling it. The only downside is there's no recording to help you Usually there's no recording for you to go back and listen to and go, okay, did I get everything I needed to get out of that conversation? Did I, did I remember it all? Um, where if you're journaling, at least you're writing that down and you have that record to look back to. It really excites me to hear that you went back and listened to the episode and it allowed you to see all of your wins, to hear all of your wins um, and recognize how far you've come. Mm-hmm. that's yeah, really cool well, thank you for sharing that <laughs> yeah I, I honestly don't do that so it was just it was just cool to hear him like I just felt yeah. so much better about myself and just where I'm going and everything so I'm glad we had that conversation honestly and I hope it just acts as many people out there one last question before we wrap things up sure. I just have like a new one that I'm asking okay have a secret sauce to life (laughs) and (laughs) so it's like what is that x factor that like makes you successful so I have been studying about human design and it is you know not everybody is a fan or, or wants to learn about it it's it's a mixture of astrology and spirituality combining a a lot of different facets from a lot of different backgrounds. I find it to be so fascinating. And I, I really learned a lot about myself, but one of the things that I've learned is that um, we each have some special gifts that are ours alone and that we don't understand that we don't realize that we have. So for instance, I learn really fast. I mean, I pick up new technology pretty quickly, not video editing, Um, (laughs) but, you know, I I pick things up pretty quickly. I make connections in my head really fast Mm -hmm. and have a way of connecting things in my head 
that other people can't do as quickly or can't do at all in the same way. And when I meet someone new, a lot of times I'm really trying, you know, networking is super important, but when I meet new people, what I find is a lot of times people are that I meet are really interested in how you can help them instead of going into a conversation of how can you help me go into it with how can I help the other person? Yeah. I think I start thinking about who do I know that this per- that could help this person instead of how can this person become my customer or how can I make money off of this person or something like that? I'm thinking about the connections that will help them grow their business. So that's just a that's just one example of something that I do that other people have told me doesn't come as quickly and that I'm a really great networker because of that. So that's just one thing. I think that each of us has some special sauce in us that other people don't have. So lean into it when you figure out what those are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like three things really stood out to me is just to know yourself. That is something that's so important. And a lot of us just don't with all of the distractions out there. It's so easy to just bounce from one thing to another and then not actually know what, like, what lights me up? What do I actually want to do? Am I doing this because it's like a social thing and my friends like it? Or do I actually enjoy this? That Those are some questions that a lot of us just don't even answer. And, um, you know, something that I live by is just doing the right thing. And what you're doing is taking the focus away from you. And it's like, how can I help them? And you're creating those win-win relationships and those just situations. And that's such a important thing to do with networking, with life, and it'll help you in so many areas. So I'm really glad that you touched upon that. And I'm really fascinated by that human design too. So it's really cool to hear. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really a great way to get to know yourself and how one of the things that is uh, just as a little tangent, it's, it's about your energy and how your energy works and how you tap into it. And each of us, you know, have a little different, but the biggest thing that I've been really trying to work on is decision-making <laughs> and, and your human design can affect how you should make decisions. Yeah. And I'm trying to learn that. I'm trying to master that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like one thing that I just thought about is like intuition versus logic. How do you balance those? And that's something that your energy, like I always trust my intuition. It's hard Mm -hmm. to do sometimes, but I think your gut is always the best. Like it knows it's more of your subconscious mind, actually. I just learned about this. And so that's like 95% of your brain. It lives in your gut. And so it's going to pick up things in your environment that your conscious 5% has no idea So if you just listen to what you feel, that's typically the right answer. Not all the time, but I think it's a good way to go. It is a good way to go. When we use our minds too much, we just aren't, we're, when we try to use logic, (laughs) we end up um, overthinking a lot of the time and our intuition, and, and there are different types, but really, you know, kind of intuition is a strong one. Um, as far as using that energy the right way. And, and you're right, it is it's soaking up all these things and it's giving you the answers, but we've been taught to use our minds. And so we often override that intuition because logic says, why would you do that? Yeah. 
And then the universe is like, well, you, you never know until you try. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to be on here today and being vulnerable to share your story. You are a role model and beacon of hope for those going through tough times, and the world is a better place because of your presence. Thank so, you, Dan. That's so sweet. You're welcome. So now, like, how can we support you? Um, you know, you got the podcast, you're on social media. I am Sarah Larson. Yes. Um, yeah, how can we support you? Um, right now, I'm going through some transition with my business, not so much the business, my business itself, my coaching business, but in my other business. And so things are changing, but I am a business coach. I'm happy to talk to people about, you know, business and be that, <laughs> be that wisdom, that experienced person who has been through a lot of different things. Um, we didn't get into some of the more recent uh, disruptions, <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, I have, I have been there. I, I have been there in yeah. so many ways. So anybody with questions, please feel free to reach out and DM me at, on Instagram is where I am the most. I think that I am Sarah Larson. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a great mentor, business mentor, life mentor with lots of experience for anyone to just absorb. So if you feel like you're out there and you need some help with your entrepreneurship or you have a podcast that you want to launch, like Sarah is definitely the woman for you. This has been an absolute treat. And thanks again for coming on the show to share your experiences and the lessons learned on your journey. I'm grateful to call you a friend, and I'm so excited to walk this new chapter of life with you as we both start our podcasts, and we're just getting warmed up. So I'm super excited for both of us. That's right. We're, we're just beginning. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dan. All right, there we go. <laughs> it's the first time I've really, truly told my story because the last one was more business. The, the one only one that I've done before was more business. So thank you for allowing me to do that. Yeah, of course. And same, right back at you. I went really deep with yeah. my story as well. So I think it was a good you experience. did, and I love that. Thank you so much for, for being so vulnerable on mine too. That was really great. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of EMG Transformations. You never know how one valuable insight can make such a big impact. Please leave a five-star review if this episode had a positive impact on you. And don't be shy to screenshot and share episodes on social that you found helpful so we can spread the message and make the world a better place. You never know who may need to hear and the impact it has on them too. We're only scratching the surface. There's so much more to learn. Subscribe and stick around to manage stress, improve your health, and create lasting lifestyle changes. We'll see you next time on EMG Transformations. <laughs>